It's you're your soul, you know, your soul supporter. And if you don't believe yourself, you don't have trust in yourself, you're not confident that you can get it done. How will anyone else get become confident? What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Fab Freddy Fox, America's big brother, and we back with a Saturday night sit-down. And tonight, I got Realtor and a fellow podcaster, John Mendes. What's going on, my man? How you doing? Man, I'm feeling good, doing good, man. Just coming off a very good night, and so I'm glad to be here, glad for the opportunity, and just grateful to you know have the opportunity to just have this conversation with you today. Nah, man, I'm looking forward to it, man. I love talking to new people. I love sitting down and, and just getting to know people one-on-one. You know, we just recently met now in our speaker school, right? So we just finished another session of speaker school today, and we decided to sit down and get on this podcast. So I actually thank you for asking to come in about my show, you know, and getting to know me. This is how I really like to get to know people, right, and get to understand the person that they are. Because uh, like I said, you know, my, my show is based around that, right? You know, growing up, as we've seen, especially in our community, right? A lot of the kids, they don't, you know, they don't grow up without their dads for one reason or the other, right? And, you know, find these positive male role models and, and, and they're locked it up and seeing how they impact these kids growing up is, is very devastating, you know? So I want to do my part to kind of, actually two things, right? And I'm thinking about is number one is that letting guys know out there when you're being a dad, right? You, it's, a, it's a full-time job, man. It's a real commitment, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's not something to be taken lightly, you know? So, you know, the importance of when somebody calling you dad and you become that figure of being there, um, but also too, just helping these kids too who don't have those father figures in their lives to find more positive male models doing things that in their community that look like them, that coming from them, that they can relate to and seem to doing great things with their lives to let them know that hey, I could do it too, you know. So you know that's why I want to sit down because I know like you're doing great things, right? Very young realtor, right? You know, going in there doing this podcast thing, doing a lot of fun stuff. So so thank you for coming on set with me, man. Yeah, definitely. I, I wanted to make sure before asking you to come on the show that you know my story would resonate with your audience. I know as a podcast host, is, you know, we, we, we know our audience best and we know what we want our audience to hear and what they need to hear. And I wanted to make sure I had something of value that would fit your audience. And once you said, you know, about, you know, about your fatherhood, although I'm not a father, I have experience with my father because he wasn't in my life. I was like, okay, maybe that would be a dope story for him, you know, to hop on this show. So, you know, let me shoot my shot and see what he say. No, absolutely, man. And here's my thing, right? And what I tell everybody about my show, and people say that, oh, like, what do I talk about and stuff, man? Everybody has a story. That's yeah. the beautiful thing, right? Everybody has a story. Everybody's impacted differently. Everybody's going through different challenges. And, you know, we may connect with somebody completely different, right? You know, a lot of people, look, some people may watching the show may not resonate, right? But they see you and it's like, oh, I know him. I relate to him. You know, he's similar to going what I'm going through and I got to see, but it was positive. So, so that's what I want to kind of sit down and get to know you. So as I always break it down, right, let's get into this, right? Number one, number one question to you, right? When you're looking at the characteristics of a good person or a good man, right? What do you think those are? What are the key characteristics of a good person or a good man? I'd say the key characteristics, honestly, is honor. And it sounds kind of medieval hearing someone bring up honor because nowadays, you know, you think of honor, you think of chivalry, you think of all these old school traits that may be, you know, out of date to some people and uh, to a lot of people, something that they hold very near and dear to their heart. And honor to me is something I hold very near and dear because we are starting to live in a day and age where uh, a lot of people are dishonorable and not in dishonorable in ways that, you know, a lot of people lie, a lot of people steal, but also they're dishonorable to themselves, to their loved ones and to the people they care most without ever realizing it. You know, they're dishonorable to their goals. They're dishonorable to their greater purpose in life. And they take a passive role in life. And by letting your potential not be realized, you fail to help the people that you could have helped that you may not even know you had the opportunity to help in the future. So I feel like having that honor, whether it's in, you know, your work to do the best that you do or just to develop yourself to be the best that you can be, or just to be truthful, be honest. Like I feel like honor encompasses a lot of different traits that go into being an honorable person. And if you know, as a, a man, we get we're you know we're burdened with a lot of responsibility, um, whether we like it or not, whether you want to you know um, pick it up or not, it's like it's there, mm-hmm. and it's something that we can't come here and uproot the entire way of living that we're you know our natural genetic makeup. And so, like as a man. Being a man that's honorable, being a man that people can count on, being a man that sticks to his words, being a man that, you know, just embodies his ideals and stands behind him. Because we live in a day and age, too, where it's like people are too afraid to go against the grain, even when going against the grain is the right thing to do. 
right, because right. they care more about the opinion of the crowd than they do of, about, you know, maintaining and upholding their honor. No, absolutely. You said a lot of key things there, right? You know, it, it's it's important to have honor and, and be honest. And, and a lot of those things play into that, right? A lot of say that, oh, um, it's medieval, right? But yeah. there's also the saying that they say, right, chivalry is dead, right? And mm-hmm. we don't want to, we don't want to um, keep, keep bringing that out there, right? And I think those are little things, like with my daughter, right, when it comes to honor, right, and chivalry, and we talk about that, right? One of the things that I do with her, number one, is when we're walking in the streets, I tell her, you walk on the inside. Mm-hmm. Right, this is where your lady walks. You know, this is where you're supposed to be, and here's why, and explain it to her. You know, to the point, like even when we're walking now, and she realizes it, she's like, "Oh, I gotta switch sides. Like, I know where I need to belong." You know, and that's part of teaching them, right? Like, you know, well, these old school ways, right? That's out of respect. Because uh, do do you know why why that happens? Why it's always why the women should walk on the inside? Like, why why is that for you? I, I feel personally, as a man, your your role is the protector, and mm-hmm. the closer you are to the street, the closer you are to danger. I see it, and so as a man. Your job is to protect, and by having her on the inside, you're potentially protecting her from getting in the way of potential danger that may come from car. That's what I think it is. I don't know if that's so, right, but that's what I think it is. Partially, partially, right? There's there's two things to it, right? Like old, old school, right? Yeah. So what happens is, is that back in the day, people didn't have bathrooms in their houses, right? So they would go in these buckets and all that stuff. So when the buckets gets full, what they would do is go to the window, and they would hurl it as far as they could away from their house. Normally, that would be on the outside of the street. If you're walking on the street, that would be closest to the street, so the person on the outside. So if the lady is walking on the inside and somebody does that, she's now covered in all this fecal matter or whatever from somebody who just emptied out their bathroom, right? So that's protecting them from that they don't get into that situation, right? The other part to that is that as they gotten older is that when you have your woman, especially if you're a man walking with a woman and you have her on the outside, close to the street, you are technically a pimp. You're prostituting her out. You're showing off the goods to these cars so they can come by, scoop by, pick her up, get her in, and going. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? So for those two reasons, again, my daughter ain't no prostitute, number one. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to get her covered. In sh- see what I'm saying? So that's really where it comes from. Like I say old school ways of why you have your woman walk on the inside. Of course, nowadays, of course, we have cars and stuff like that. But technically, that's where it originally from, from those couple of things of, of where, where, where it stands from. So. Little little uh, you, you learn something for you. new every day, right? You learn you something know? new every day. Yeah, so I think it is really important, like you said, like honorable and shit, right? And, and being those and sticking to you who, who you are and and having a good foundation. I think part of that, like you said, right, is knowing who you are and standing by that, right? And when it comes to being honorable and, and those things. Now, along with characteristics and qualities, right? Everybody has morals that they want to abide by, right? Things that they hold near and dear to their heart that they stick to. So, for you, what are some of your key morals that you live with on a day to day basis? Uh, honesty. Uh, and uh, telling the truth, at least what you believe to be the truth. And I say what you believe to be the truth because there's, if you ask anyone enough questions, you ask them why, you ask them just a, enough questions, you'll realize that we actually don't know a lot of things. Mm-hmm. There's not many things in life that we actually know. And the things that we do believe are absolute truth, we don't have an explanation for those either. Right? So it's like, as humans, we barely know anything. But there are some things that you can say no matter, you know, what it is are, you know, at least in attempt to tell the truth. And a lot of people tell white lies or they tell half truths where they leave stuff out. Or some people just are just pathological liars and lie for lying's sake or whatever the case may be. But I feel like by seeking the truth and by trying to tell the truth and making an attempt to tell the truth in every uh, opportunity, every chance that you get, you live your way, your life in a way that you can look in the mirror every day and you can at least say that, you know, you tried to, you know, be truthful. Another trait that I think that everyone should live their life by is by, um, having confidence, especially as young men, I mm. think it's going to relate to a lot of young men. Um, and I'm not going to, I'm going to butcher this a little bit, but um, if you take the the roots of words, so confidence, it comes, I think, from the Latin or Spanish word, uh, confantia, right? That means trust. Mm-hmm. So pretty much confidence is having trust in yourself. So the reason that you're not confident is that you're not, you don't trust yourself. And that's whatever situation it may You talk about young men, you try to pull up on a shorty, right? And she look good and you, you know, you, you want to run down. You don't have the confidence. You don't trust yourself enough to go talk to her. You don't trust yourself enough in that situation to not fumble the bag, right? So 
confidence is one of those things that's being attacked right now from a lot of young men. They think that that's toxic masculinity. They think that, you know, we got they're trying to disarm us, right? And that having that confidence, even if it's just in yourself, even if it's in, you know, confidence that you'll achieve your dreams, right? that's something that's so important to me because confidence prevents a lot of situations in life. You know, one of my things that my grandpa taught me without really teaching me is we never had a car growing up. We walked everywhere. And my grandpa was one of those guys that, you know, he has a beer belly. You know, he's past his prime, but he has the confidence. He's Dominican. Oh, typical Dominican man, right? <laughs> he has the confidence of the top pimp in the world, bro. I don't know what's in him, but he got a different type of confidence to him. And wherever we used to walk when I was little, uh, he would always like chin up, you know, chest out. And whenever you'll say somebody, you give like that little head nod that we all do or, you know, wave his hand. Now he's actually like, grandpa, like, you know, these people, he's like, nah, I just, that's just what you do. And always walked around just radiating confidence all the time. And then that kind of picked into my life where it's like, I never had to, you know, get into an altercation. I never had to get into a fight. I never had to show, you know, puff my chest out or do anything that I had to, to do anything. Cause it's just, I radiated so much confidence that bad vibes would stray away from me. People know who they can pick on. People, there was a, and not to get too deep, but into, you know, some negative stuff, but there was a study showing that uh, most people that, um, I, I think it was a study on like uh, children who have uh, like sexual trauma. And it was saying that the the predators in most cases know who and who won't speak up and who's confident in themselves. And by having that confidence in themselves, that can prevent a lot of those traumas. I forget what, what study uh, that was in, but it, it was just it's pretty much saying, like, if you have that confidence, it could save you from that. It could save you from getting into a lot of fights. It can save you from being bullied. It can save you from a lot because people are less likely to pick on you. And even if they start, you'll have the confidence and the trust in yourself to handle that situation. So I'd say, you know, confidence and um, honestly slash pursuant of the truth is probably like two of the key morals I think would easily impact every young man's life or any man's life in their walk or any person in general in their walks instantly that you can apply to your life and, you know, reap the benefit from. So I think like you said, you know, starting with, with honesty, right? It's, 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 there's so much work involved in maintaining a lie. It's exhausting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, like you have to remember times and dates and, and really relive this fantasy in your head that never actually happened. Um, and it's, it, it's so, so much work, right. Mm -hmm. To, to do that. Um, and, 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 and part of like, like you said, people say white lies are kind of bulls themselves and, and, and gain confidence from, from each other and other people, you know, I, I, when it comes to that with my mom taught me this a huge lesson, right? Cause my mom, one thing that she always told me was that, um, I'd rather people hate me for who I am than love me for who I'm not. Mm -hmm. She always said that to me, right? So she would always, like I said, I got it. She never bites her tongue. She's always just says what she says and just like so open and so because it's too much effort, right? And if you don't like me, then whatever. Like at least I can, I don't have to worry about this or getting caught out or like, you know what I mean? Like if, let's just say you tell a lie, right? To fit in with a group of people, right? And you're sitting there the whole time. You can't enjoy yourself because you're thinking like, when are they going to out me? When are they going to catch me? Like, how do I got to play this off? I really don't mm -hmm. do this. You know what I mean? Like, and now it's just so much detrimental you know what i mean so it's yeah. it's something so important just to be honest with yourself because again like at least at the end of the day like you know what hey, at least you said the truth so we can deal with the consequences and that's something that I, I do with my daughter right now my kids like don't lie to me don't ever lie to me i can't help you when you lie you know what i'm saying i can't fix a lie i can't do anything with that like the truth whether it's good bad or ugly whatever i can deal with that right we can mm -hmm. figure out what needs to get done but I, i'd rather do that than have to you work with a lie you know, um, and then the other part of your thing, like you said, which which is really was an aha moment, man. I never thought about confidence like that in the work, because like I said, and for me, I've struggled with confidence a lot. Mm -hmm. Say that point blank, being because I was one of those people that, again, I let the world kind of tell me who I should or shouldn't be for so long, and tried to fit in, and you know, what I mean, like didn't have that belief and trust in myself, right, mm -hmm. to be able to know otherwise. And it wasn't until, um. I think really like becoming a husband and, and, and a father where it's like, you know, there's a lot more. It's not just about me, right? Like I can't let things impact them or whatever. So I need to really kind of figure that and gain that confidence, being okay with who I am and doing that. Because also how am I going to teach them to be confident if I'm not confident myself? Mm -hmm. Right. 
And I love how you said that because I've always associated, like you said too, confidence with being cocky, right? Like the moment I started being confident, like started speaking good about myself, I was quickly smacked down by somebody like, oh, don't don't get too full of yourself. Or like, oh, you gassing your head up or now you're getting all this. And I, you know, and then it's like, damn, like, so I shouldn't feel good about being good at something? Like, so, you know, and then that's like for the longest. Perfect example, for the longest, man, I hated Floyd Mayweather scene most of it. Like, oh, this dude is so cocky and he's just so arrogant and just, He's got trust in himself, right? That's mm-hmm. confidence, man. Like, he, he's not saying anything wrong. He's not saying bad about anything else or trying to downplay. Like, I'm the best at what I'm doing. I'm the great. Like, I'm doing. You should be that, right? Because if you don't believe that, how are other people going to believe you? Because mm-hmm. let, let's stay on this topic. Because as you were saying, when you're starting off in any endeavor in life, you're usually the only person that knows about it. And you're usually the only person that's supporting yourself. Right, because when you're starting off, usually starts off as a thought, and right. who's else is in your head, right? So if you're trying to build something up, whether it's a business, whether it's a podcast, whether it's, you know, you get on, you know, the honor roll or whatever, it's you're your soul, you know, your soul supporter. And if you don't believe yourself, you don't have trust in yourself, you're not confident that you can get it done. How will anyone else get become confident? And so it all starts within, and people have this this negative connotation. With, with confidence because it comes from insecurity. It comes from lack. I've never been called cocky from someone who's more confident than me. I've never been called cocky from someone who's more successful than me. I've never been called cocky from someone that's doing better than me in life. It's always from people that are coming from places of insecurity, mm-hmm. right? And so you have to, I lo- fortunately for me, I was able to tune them out and never, you know, drop my confidence to, you know, the level at, at which, uh, they were vibrating at Drake. always say a, said a line. He said, "Um, you don't worry about fitting in when you custom made, mm-hmm. or you don't worry about the glove fitting when you custom made." And so it's like, I, that's how I just took it. And for me, I always use song quotes to keep me going. I had a song quote for everything. Like I'm not as good now because I don't really listen to music, just because a lot of the lyrics right now I feel like it's a lot of negativity going on. Yeah. And that's a whole other you know subject. But um. Now it's like when I was growing up, though, a lot of these song lyrics, I could quote a lyric like for any situation off the top of my head. I just had a lyric for everything. And that's what kept me pushing. Because as I said, I didn't have really have a, a role model to look up to. A lot of these quotes like just kept me going in different situations. And with the whole confidence thing and the cockiness thing, I feel like in our community and like I grew up in the hood. It wasn't the most hood hood, but still the hood nevertheless. Right. And it's all it's all it's like you gassing your head up. No, no. Why are you feeling yourself so much? Like, mm-hmm. you know, chill out, chill out. And it's like, I can't do good. And then you start tying doing good with negativity, with cockiness, with arrogance. And now you're never going to be successful because for so long you've been creating this picture. You've been, you know, creating this programming into your subconscious that doing good is bad. Right. Because every time you do good and you try to celebrate it. Mm-hmm. Others are not celebrating you. They're actually knocking you for celebrating what you thought was a worthy accomplishment. So now it's you get to a point where it's like, I don't want to accomplish anything. I, I'd rather not accomplish. And that leads to a life of complacency. That life leads to a life of being stuck in misery. And you know, the whole nine yards from there for the most part. I know you said, like you said, with music and quotes, and I, I'm, I'm huge on quotes too. Like I love them. I think they're just they're so powerful. Like One of my favorite ones that really kind of resonated with me and as I listen, and I believe it's from from Winston Churchill, um, but he said it was saying like when you're in your twenties, you worry that everybody's talking about you. When in your forties, you stop worrying what people think, and when you're in your sixties, you realize nobody was talking about you in the first place. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, I'm trying to encourage that stuff for me now because as I like I tell my daughter too, like and all these things, like people who kind of put you down or whatever. Don't let them have space in your head. Because at the end of the day, when you turn around and go home, they're not thinking about you. Why are you sitting yeah. there wallowing and crying about what they said or what they did or whatever? They're all minding their own business, like having a good old time, and you hear miserable for what? Yeah, I mean, like there's there's no point in that, you know. So I think it's very important, like you said, like, to have that trust in yourself, right, and really mm-hmm. try to associate those two, right? Like when you break it down to the world, like it makes a lot more sense, right? It's confidence and like, to have trust and really have trust in yourself, and and that's what where we really need to understand that. I want, I want to add another uh, quick little point, too, uh, that I heard from a, a guy that I listen to all the time. He was pretty much saying, like, as a young teenager, um, your goal pretty much for the most part is to learn how to separate yourself from your parents to, you know, adapt a role in society, be a, a contributing me- member to society. Mm-hmm. 
But then once you become a contributing member to society, society, you have to then learn how to, if society's going left, to ha- be able to break free from that and think independently. So it's like when you're growing up, a lot of your confidence comes from your caregivers. And that could lead to you having, you know, a, a lot of confidence within yourself. And that could also lead to, you know, attachment issues where, you know, you're very anxious when, you know, you're not in the right situation. You have all these different issues. And until you take some time to reflect, it's very, very hard to start tackling that issue of confidence because it stems from so many other things that, you know, might not have even realized impacted your life because it's so early on. And for me, my biggest thing was uh, my junior years when I started looking into attachment styles and I started picking up traits. And back to what I was saying to the whole thing of acting from lack. So one of my traits I would do, I was always quick to cut somebody off, right? And that's because... I was just too scared to have skin in the game. It's not because I was a confident dude. I didn't need nobody. I was, it, it, that's the the bravado, the macho, you know, personality I was giving off. But in all reality, that was just me coming from a place of I didn't have my parents in my life. So I was, you know, I had to adapt to not having people there. It was a defense mechanism. It was a coping mechanism to deal with my insecurities that I thought were, you know, I'm, I'm cool. I don't need nobody. I'm good off everybody. I cut you off if you're not, you know. If we're not in the same vibe, we're not in the same time. And, and that all just stems from, as I said, the insecurity. So you have to start, you know, self-reflecting, whether it's through attachment style or whether it's talking to a therapist, whether it's, you know, just talking to a friend and just laying out, you know, your past life. But all that self-reflection helps you then to develop that confidence because now you start to know, you know, who are you? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's that's where it came for me, right? I, I was, I was... Lost my job in 2016, right? My daughter was just born. Was husband. Got a family now. Supposed to be a provider. I ain't got no job. Mm-hmm. And I mean, thing, you know, college degree, nothing like that. So, like, what do I do now? How do I, how, how do I, you know, figure this out? Like, and all these things. And I'm like, you know, people tell me I should go to school. I should be working in the corporate world. I should be doing like, but I don't, what, am, what do I want to do? Like, what is making me happy? And I took a lot of time by myself, right? And as I said all the time, like, to thinking about, like, ask, re, relearning you, right? Like, because mm-hmm. I felt, like I said all the time, like, I, I tried to adapt so much to so many different situations is that I'm honestly confused. Do I genuinely like this or did I convince myself to like this to fit in? And that's a scary thought, right? When you looking in the mirror and, and maybe I'll share, like I said, on another thing, was cool, but I shared a quote, uh, a poem that I wrote um, and it really was about that, like, trying to find myself um, and, and just trying to fit in and then really not being okay with who I was for so long. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm like, all right, I figured out who I am. Like, I'm I'm fat, man, and I love it. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is what I do. This is what I'm about. This is that person I am. You don't like me? Cool. Keep it moving. There's a billion other people out there that's going to find me, right? Like, I think that's, that's the beauty. Of, like, I keep saying it's like the gift and the curse of social media is that if you're genuinely yourself and you're genuinely who you want to be and you just go out there and you live your best life, people who are like you will find you. Mm-hmm. You just a couple of clicks away. That's it. You know what I'm saying? A key word, positivity. Realtor, you know what I'm saying? Podcast, boom, and all these people. And you can get to pick and choose and find what feels right for you, not try to fit into what's around you because you're limited. You know, like we were before, we were limited to our school, right? Where we go to for school, right? You know what I mean? Like some kids went to one high school, other kids went to another one. So you would never see that side of those kids ever, you know, unless it's like a homecoming game. Mm-hmm. Now I get to see people how they're living in Japan and China and all these things and what they're into and find my community where I feel like I can be myself. And belong, and it's a beautiful thing. But you have to find out who you are, right? Be okay with who you are. Make that statement like, "This is me, and I'm not going to change," right? And once you do that, you'll find the people who are like you, and be around you, and you'll be happy. Yeah, definitely. And I want to touch on a couple points from there. I feel like everyone nowadays, especially with social media, is striving to be liked. They want likes. Everyone wants to be liked. They want to be accepted. The problem is, you can never be anyone just by being liked. There's only two ways to become anyone in life. You have to either be loved or be hated. And one of the most polarizing figures, as you know, is like, for example, Trump, his main like media hated him, but he's a somebody right now on the flip side, Tony Robbins, his main media image is something positive. People love him for the most part. He's a somebody. You never get anywhere in life being a, in, in the middle, just coasting across the people that were like, you might be famous. You might be infamous, regardless of whatever path you decide to take. Just know that. With success, with, you know, 
uh, great achievement in life. If you want to be mediocre, you, you'll be liked by a lot of people. But no one will actually resonate with you. You're not going to find your tribe. But you'll be liked. You'll be accepted. You'll be welcomed. But it's not going to be like, my brother, my boy, what's going on? What's popping? You, so you, you got to, you know, uh, ex- be willing to make that decision. You know, do I actually want to be somebody? And then if you actually do, decide, you know, how are you going to be somebody? Because there's always going to be somebody that you loves everything that comes out of your mouth. And it's always going to be someone that's like, he's chatting. You know, that guy, he's blowing smoke up here. You know, you know what? And, you know, just d- dislike everything that you're about and d- not support anything you're doing. And so you have to be okay with that because rather true, genuine support than, you know, people that like you and not really messing with you. And so you have to, as I said, really sit down and think like it's being successful for me because it comes with a lot. Yeah. Right. And, and the, we all as humans have a negativity bias, right? Every, I, they did a study and it was like every like negative thing per, I guess for per unit of negativity is worth, I think like, five units of positivity. So you could, you know, wake up on time, go to the gym, you know, have a good workout, get a nice breakfast and, you know, I don't know, kiss your wife before you go to work, right? That's five good things. But then you get stuff stuck in traffic. Now you back to ground zero. Right. Right. And we all have this negativity bias and we're, because negativity, you know, has more impact on the way we view things. And so a lot of people, just tend to get caught up in the negativity bias. So there's also that issue there. So it's a, a very complicated issue um, in terms when it comes to, you know, finding your people and um, being liked or being loved or being hated. And so luckily for me, I was able to find my tribe. And I can genuinely say, like, when you find that tribe, the love is so unmatched. The love is so unreal. Like my birthday, I just turned 21 um, a couple of weeks ago. And the amount of, if you see my Facebook timeline, I ain't never get so many birthdays in my life, bro. I kid you not. I was like, spent like three hours replying back to birthdays. I made sure I replied to each and every one because if you're going to take the time to say happy birthday, I'm going to take the time to respond back and say thank you because that means a lot. Because there's days, you know, you ain't have no birthday wishes, you know. But to this year, I found my tribe. I got cards. I got I got gifts from like people that I don't really know, know like that, that I, you know, that aren't, that didn't grow up with me. And, like, finding that community of people that genuinely love you, you'll know when you're in that. And when you're in that, it's the best thing ever. No, it is. Right? And you got to go out there and you got to be able to, you got to deal with the nose, right? And find the, the bad places, right? Because then it's gonna only going to help you sharpen and make clear what you really want, right? So you can't take these negative experiences or bad things as, as, as just that. Like, it, it's, I, like I said, like, right, you're, you, everything in life is either a blessing or a lesson. Mm-hmm. It's nothing bad, you know what I mean. Like it's either gonna bless you with something great or teach you something that you need to know to be something great, you know. And and, and the other part of that too, like people always looking to be liked and all that stuff. And you know, I, I, I was having that feeling too, right? Like wanting to focus on the likes and all those things. And there's another thing that brought up, but it was like, you know what? If you aren't hated, you ain't doing it right, right? Like, cause people gonna be envious of you, and that's how you know that. Right? Side side, right? Going because it's happening, right? Right? So, um. Going through a little issue right now with one of my, my episodes, right? Because some of my, my theme music or something going on, and I'm trying to, to hash that out. And my initial reaction, but I guess a lot of people would be like, oh man, aren't you going to be upset? Like, and go through, you got to go through this copyright stuff or all this nonsense, whatever. And in the back of my head, it's like, I'm not. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm going to smile about this, man. That, that means that somebody mm-hmm. thought that I was that important, that they had to do something, right? They see something great in me, and they try and they, So I was like, you know what? Let's roll with it, man. Like, yeah, I mean, like, it is. I'm going to teach this as a lesson, right? And how to make things different and how to make things better, right? So that, that's, that's part of, like, growing with life and, and learning and find those tribes. And, and like you said, you know, going through these people and finding out who your do's and your don'ts. Now, you said something earlier that kind of caught my attention, right? I kind of want to circle back to that. But like you said, is like part of you was just cutting people off, right? And you said it because, you know, because you didn't have your parents right there for you. So mm-hmm. let me dig into that. Like, you didn't have your mom or your dad in there? Like, what was it for you, like, growing up? Like, what, what was that dynamic for you? Yeah, so it's, it's a pretty complicated issue where it's like, so when I initially grew up, it was like nine of us in a two-bedroom, right? Uh, it was me, my grandparents, uh, my aunt, my uncle, my cousin, my mom, my other aunt. Um, there was a bunch of us in that house. I don't know how we all fit, but we fit, right? We made it work. Uh, I still remember, like, I used to sleep on the couch 
And then uh, one of my uncles, they had, you know, the, the spring photo beds. Yeah, they I had, had one of those. Yeah. yeah, and so he would sleep on a spring photo bed next to me. And, like, you feel me? I didn't even have a bed for a minute, right? That's, like, all through early elementary school up until fifth grade. I got my own room when I was 13, <laughs> I think. Really? I got my room. How, I forget how it was, but uh, fifth grade was when I got my, my, my own room. And then, um, no, actually, I lied because my aunt, um, she had to share the room with me, which so like, until she ended up moving out with her boyfriend. But like, so I had my own room for a minute. Um, that was annoying. But um, so my mom, long story short, when I moved to my new house, that was summer uh, heading into fifth grade year. It was me, my grandparents, my mom, my aunt, my sister. Right. So my dad was absent most of my life. Most years I can count on one hand how many times I've seen him. Right. And there's a whole story that I genuinely don't know. And, you know, I never got the, really the chance to uncover, but I'm starting to learn a little bit more about it. Um, but my dad was never really there. Uh, supposedly, you know, my grandparents, my parents, you know, didn't want him to be my life. Supposedly he was abusive. Um, and he was an alcoholic. I know he was for a fact he was an alcoholic. Um, but I, I really don't have much recollection. I feel like there was a one time there, I, I have a, a, a memory and I don't know, cause with your memory, your brain plays like will make memories out of things that didn't actually happen. But yeah, I feel like he did hit my mom one time, but I'm not sure as to if that's really true or not. And so um, I didn't live with my dad. I still never, I never lived with my dad. I, I might've lived with him for like two months, I think when I was younger and then moved back home. My mom, she suffered from depression. She has anxiety um, and a couple other things. So it's like, although she lived with me, me and her never had the best relation. Partially growing up, it was because I was angry because she wasn't the mother figure I thought a mom was supposed to be. I didn't understand what she was going through, right? And then it took me a while to realize that she was going through her own demons, fighting her own demons, right? And I ain't know, which is why, and my grandparents, as I'm starting to realize now, they talk down to her a lot. So, like, she never had confidence, right? And my grandparents, you know, they ended up raising me, but, like, they talk down on her they talk very like negatively towards her so it's like her confidence is super low and so growing up I was mad at her because she was the mom I wanted to be and now me and her still constantly fight because she's still trying to be my mom whereas my dad he knows he wasn't a father figure so me and my dad are actually cool now we're a lot more cool than me and my mom because my mom my dad knows he didn't play that role but now he's not trying to come back into my life as a father. He's not like, John, you should do this. You should do that. X, Y, Z. It's like, you know, he has his own business. Now I help him out with his business. Sometimes he helped me out with mine um, and stuff like that. And so like he referred me like a, a, a client. She ended up, she was looking to buy, but she ended up not deciding not to. Um, but yeah, so like me and him, we're on like cool terms now. Where it's like, we understand each other as men, like, and we just talk to each other as friends. And then my mom, on the other hand, me and her still be going back and forth because although she moved out a car like four years ago, four or five years ago, so she has her own spot, but she's still trying to play that mother figure. And no matter how many times I explain, it doesn't come across in her head because I'm still her little boy. But it's like in my head, it's like you weren't the mother I wanted to be. My grandparents fulfilled that role. So th those are the parental figures in my head. So that's a little bit about, you know, how I grew up and, in terms of like my parent situation, my dad was never really there. He's coming back into my life now. Um, my mom was always there physically, but mentally we were always disconnected. Um, and so that and my parent grandparents for a certain point period of my time to talk more about the attachment styles. So my sister was the favorite in the house. And in my head, I'm the gold. I'm supposed to be the golden boy. I had the good grades. I played football. I was in after school. I never got in trouble. Never fighting. My sister, she was like the great hair. Actually, I didn't. I didn't even realize I had great hair to high school, right? So that's that's another that's a story for another day. They used to give me the the buzz every every time I got a haircut, buzz cut. I ain't never had realized I had good hair until high school, bro. But um, my sister was the, the opposite. Now, she was, you know, she got in trouble at school. You know, school wasn't really her thing. Uh, she was, you know, at least when she was younger, she did have like an entrepreneurial spirit in her, and so like. She was always, I would always get in trouble and she would always fake cry and get me in trouble. My grandparents would always be on their side and they would yell at me and, you know, threaten to call the cops on me and kick me out the house and all that stuff. And it's like, it got to a certain point in time in the middle school. I just felt like, like, honestly, bro, I'm good off of all of that. And I just like isolated myself, which led to me developing a lot of a, you know, avoidant dismissive attachment styles 
where I, you know, I've, you know, locked myself in my room. I'll play Xbox. I would, you know, go out just to avoid, you know, being in the house. Cause whenever I was in the house, I was always isolated. Right. And so that made me develop into me only need thinking I only need myself. I don't need nobody. I can cut everybody off. You know, I, I don't need my grandparents. I don't need anybody. And so, you know, they held it down, you know, in the house and, you know, gave me a roof over my head and they, you know, they never like beat me or nothing crazy like that. But mentally, I always felt alone while I was at least growing up. And it took me a while to, until uh, my best friend told me about attachment styles my junior year. When then I just dove into self-reflection and started like peeping like, yo, I'm doing a lot of these things because I'm coming from a place of lack right. and right. place of insecurity. I never I didn't want skin in the game because. I was scared to be hurt. I was scared to for someone to leave me again. I was scared for someone to feel feel connected and just go ghost and blank me. So that's what I would do for to other people before I can get too much skin in the game. And so uh, that's kind of how like a little bit about my upbringing, how it came about, and how it, it affected me. But fortunately, someone introduced me into you know attachment styles, which then helped spark my journey of personal growth uh, emotionally, which is a, a factor that a lot of men tend to. You know, discount or you know not pay attention to at all. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think I don't know if you have it now, and I preach this because, and, I, and I'm saying this but again. One of these days, Mr. Jason Wilson, you're gonna be on my show and we're gonna be interviewing you. But that man changed my life, right? Because I was reading him, and um, he wrote a book called "Cry Like a Man." I don't know if you if you know who Jason Wilson is. Not too sure. All right, he's a bald dude, got a beard, black guy. But um, the video that I seen that I always seen in life was that he he's, he was doing um teaching martial arts to this kid right and this little boy starts crying right and he sits down he's like why are you crying you know and then he proceeds to say it's okay to cry wait what like hold on wait what what hold on i need to understand this because you know as i was going i was like wow like all my life you know because most of the times like my mom was in my dad was in the house right but he wasn't like there like the father figure like that being in there and hands-on it was mostly visual um my mom was doing that so a lot of very in touch with my feminine side like it was i had a lot of female influence right growing up so and then when i went outside world all these guys are telling me it's not okay to cry that i'm seeing this kung fu master dude breaking solid big black dude like it's okay to cry i'm like wait but it's it is and and then that book, Cry Like a Man, helped me understand that what we do as men, right? We, 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 we're not trained to deal with our feelings, right? It's always like you got to cover up, you got to man up. And what we start to do is we bottle this up inside and we place ourselves in what he calls is emotional incarceration, right? And you have all these things bottled up and you don't know how to do these things. And you don't really know how to handle your emotions. So you start doing all these toxic things like alcoholism, womenizing, abuse, gambling, you know, overeating, whatever, because you really don't know how to deal with your emotions right you don't know what's going on you know so it's important for us to dive into that and really start to develop those things and really learn that's like my mission too is part of learning that and being okay with my emotions and not allowing other people to control me um through that right so he has an amazing definitely gotta look him up to him and jason wilson cry like him he has another book called battle cry which i gotta look into and listen to have it but um you know, that's kind of how what we realize as men, right? Like, you know, the emotional incarceration and, and being out there and dealing with our feelings and how to find ourselves. Now, I don't know, like you said, too, like talking about things and, and learning, because one of my things is like, what do you learn from your parents and what do you learn that? So, you know, with your relationship and, and in his absence there, what do you think you learned from that situation, your father not being around, that helped you become the man that you are today? It, it kind of made me rely on myself a lot more. Um, than I might have had to. It made me kind of have to adopt a role that I probably wouldn't have had if I, you know, I w did have a father figure in my life and which kind of expedited my, my growth mentally a little bit. Uh, not be for reasons that I really wanted, but I think reasons that definitely helped out uh, nevertheless. And not having him there, honestly, it, it, it gets to a point where it's like, just kind of not, you just get like used to it. It's like, especially starting off so young. Yeah, although, you know, I never was like really at, you know, a friend's house, and unless I was playing video games, so I was just stuck at, in the, I wasn't like looking at their parents, their parental right, right, right. figures. But like, it, when you get a, a, a part of your life that's just cut out from so early on, you just see life as maybe I wasn't ever supposed to include that part. Right. Not realizing until later on it becomes your norm. Yeah, that's your norm. It's your new norm. It's just father figure. That's, I, I don't have one. And so 
I mean, well, I lied. My grandfather, but my actual father, um, wasn't present. Right, right. And so, you know, as I said, like I seen my grandparents. I seen like uh, my grandpa. That said, like he doesn't know, but like a lot of my confidence comes from that. My swagger, my flow, my energy, it comes from my grandfather. Like, um, and so he kind of fulfilled that role in uh, in a lot of ways that my my dad did. And so, fortunately enough for me, I still had a father figure in the house, which. You know, as long as that role is being fulfilled for the most part, I think you're straight. It's when the the role is completely void where I think that could lead to a lot of issues. And as I said, I always had my, my grandfather, you know, he's been my grandma since for a minute now. Uh, right. He has like super traditional views in terms of, you know, they, they was born in DR. So it's like, yeah, my, you know, the, 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 the wife is the traditional housewife. Man, go out there in the field. He gets after he gets to the bed. And brings it home for the family type of thing. Super traditional values. Um, and so a successful marriage is kind of what I've always seen for the most part. So it's like I still had that father figure. My absence of my dad definitely helped me grow up a little faster, which helped me gain wisdom earlier on in my life, which definitely plays out. Because in high school, I was easily able to say no to a lot of things that most people fall victim to, like drugs, like drinking, like, you know, starting like polygamy, uh, you know, all these other things and all these other vices of the world. Um, I was able to stray away. And that's also credit that too, to my, um, my, my foundation just growing up kind of in church, um, as well. But, you know, all that kind of played up into me growing up a little sooner and being more sure of myself and also having that, you know, that avoidance this mission, attachment style where it's like I'm okay with being isolated right, it made right. me good in my shell I, I felt good I was comfortable in my shell I didn't have to you know fit in because you know I, I'm in my own little bubble and I'm fine with it yeah man but that, that's, that's a lonely ass life though it is you know? that, that's and the trade off it's <laughs> back to, I love how you I'm a, I guess Jason Williams worded it but yeah. that mental that emotional incarceration it's a trade off because you'll be protected yeah, you never experience heartbreak you never, you know, get your feelings hurt for the most part, but you never ever truly experience well, at yeah, the same I time. Mean, I mean, perfect example, right? Like I, I was, I was a, was a, you know, very into you know, relationship and stuff like that. So I was like, you know, always had a different girlfriend and that, right? Like, you know what I mean? I got hurt so much, right? And then I got to this point where I was like, I'm just in it just to be in it. Like, I don't care about their feelings. I don't care what they emotions are. Like, I don't really don't care about them at all. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it was what I could use them for at this point. Because I'm not going to allow myself to put my be in that predicament again, right? I'm not crying for nobody else. I'm not going to do that. I'm not, you know, I, I'm. It's just not worth it, right? Um, and, and and it was good to a certain extent, but then at the same time, it was just like again, like what I wanted was real love. Like I want somebody to hold me down every single day. You know what I'm saying like that. I know that I can count on. I don't have to worry about this, that, or third. Like, you know, and. and and I always kind of will we'll bring it back to bring it to my wife, but like one of the things that like, and I was thinking about this a while ago, right? Like, um, before me and my wife got together, I was, I was my ex girlfriend, right? I got a call home one day, and she's like, "I got my friends over." There's like three guys in the house, but she don't know their names or whatever. I'm like, "Why are there dudes in my crib?" Like, yeah, you know I'm saying like this, I can't understand that. Like, you know what I mean, so that's something that I that, that I had to learn, and it was a lesson, right? I had to learn what I did and didn't like, right? So. You know, with my wife, when me and my wife got married and stuff, and I set up an appointment for, like, the cable or whatever, and I was at work, and the cable guy came, you know, and um, I got home, and I'm like, oh, what happened to the cable? Like, didn't he come? She was like, yeah, he came, but you weren't home, and my brother was home. I'm not going to let a man in my house when you're not home. And I never told her what happened, but, like, in the back of my mind, I was like, wait, like, that made me feel so, like, I didn't care that I didn't have the internet. I was like, I was I was coming, I was like, oh, I'm about to go on Xbox, I'm about to go on PlayStation, put my boys online. I didn't care about any of that stuff. I was so thrilled to hear that, like, she did not allow somebody in our, well, even it was an appointment that I set up, she's going, like, I'm not allowing a man in my house. And that meant everything to me. And I was like, man, I made the right choice with this yeah. one. Like, you know what I mean? But you got to go through these things, right, to understand that, you know? So, it's just kind of seeing that, but and also like speaking, I bring up my wife in that relationship because what you mentioned here, and I don't know if you realize it, but I'm doing this show for some time, right? And a lot of guys who dads weren't in their pick, were in their lives, or you know what I'm saying, they weren't there. They always talk about successful marriages, and you know I kind of find that you know because ideally, what's one? Even if that's your norm, right? Like you grow up, and your dad was never in your life or any of your pictures of that, and I've seen that, but we still 
look at successful marriages and be like, man, I want that. Whether you did or you didn't have it, that's what we expire. And I think that that's it's so incredible that we still kind of see that and people don't play that. And even for a man, right? Like you're a man, like people's like, oh, guys only talk about like sex and stuff. And it's no, right? I, I was saying this to somebody else and, and probably last week, but there's a saying, right? They always talk about guys going out and, 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 and like, you know, having sex and all these things, right? And they bring it down to guys and women, right? And they say that girls, they have sex with who they want to, right? Mm-hmm. Well, let me not push this, right? It goes like this. It goes, boys have sex, you know, with who they can, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yeah, they, they go out there, we try to, whatever girl will allow us, like, that's what we have sex. It's not a matter of we get to pick or choose or whatever. Women get to choose who they have sex with, right? Mm-hmm. Vice versa is that men choose who they want to marry and women marry who they can. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like, in the back of the mind, like, women, like, may have this thing, like, deep down, I don't care what any mind says, like, you want somebody to love you and hold you down when you come home every single night. You don't have to go out there and deal with the nonsense and all the BS of being the heartbreaks and out for your money and stuff. You get yourself a real reliable woman to come home. That's all you want. You just want your peace. You know, and and then that's how you gotta, gotta go out there and, and find these things. But that, that's what we really want at the end of the day. So I find it kind of crazy, and I see that as a pattern. That no, regardless of the situation, is that us guys we still look out for successful marriages, and it's like, man, like that's what I like. <laughs> you know, so I find that kind of cool. And, and it's funny, like, and we're on the topic of relationships. So, like, for me and my my relationship life, like, part of the reason uh, is because of my avoidant dismissive tendencies that I had earlier on in my life. The other part is, uh, I. Growing up in the church, I was like, I always knew that, you know, messing around with shorties, if you know what I'm talking about, like, that was always something that I found, like, you giving up a part of yourself. I've seen this, that, and, like, as a dude, you feel me, as um, it's the norm, especially when you're in high school, it's like, especially if you're in college, if you're in way in college, it's like, it's just how many shorties can you smash, right? That's what everyone wants to know. I put more shorties in. I put more. I put more females in you. Like I'm getting more. That's like they're always the go-to. If you ever get in the con- like an argument in high school, it's either I get more money than you or I get more girls than you. That's the the the, yeah. the two top comebacks that everyone yeah. try to give you, right? And and it's like for me, before the girl that I'm with now, like my longest relationship was probably like a month, because like I was just so quick to you know, I never had skin in the game. So as soon as I see one thing, I'm out. I'm out. I talked to a couple girls, but I'm out. But it's also part of it, too, because there's a couple females I could have had a, you know, a genuine connection with. I had something pop up, but I knew, like, and the people don't take this into consideration. Every sexual partner you have, you know, you have sex with, it's like your spirits connect. But not only that, but you're connected to then everyone else they had sex with. And so if you live this, you know, this life, uh, this playboy lifestyle, it's gonna be so much harder for you to find love in the in the in the end because you're connected to so many people through all the people that you had sex with, and every time you have sex, you give up a part of yourself, and you're trying to fill this irreplaceable void now that you'll never be able to fill because you just gave so much of yourself up, and people don't realize that, and they have all these different partners they're just constantly giving themselves and constantly getting intertwined until you're in this giant web of you know just a spiritual mess. And so a lot of people don't take that into consideration because they leave like this kind of like the hedonistic lifestyle where they're just seeking self-pleasure. That's it. Nothing more. You're just in it for a quick nut and that's it. And people don't have the the wisdom and then hopefully the, the proper role model to help them realize like, you know, yeah, I could probably do some things with this girl, but like long term, it's not good for me. And especially like for me. At, like growing up, like you know, I was on a football team. I would call myself. I don't want to boost my head up too much, but I call myself a. a, a yourself, <laughs> you know what we talked about earlier. <laughs> a, a very young, handsome man with a good head on his shoulders, and you know, I'm um, know how to talk to people. I'm funny. I play sports. I'm like good grades. Like the resume is fulfilled. Like to live the instant playboy status lifestyle in high school and especially in college. Because once I always could dance too, which is another thing. Once I got to college, I locked the waistline. It was over. <laughs> you feel me? So I could, I, I had the opportunities to really pop off. But it's like, I always knew that that, that was something I held sacred. I, I, I was refused to, to give myself up to just anybody because of how much love I have for myself. And I was just like, I'm not with it. You know, then the amount of people, like for me to think that you were worth giving my a part of myself up to, that took a lot. And so like, 
not too many people ever made the cut for even that to pop off. So although I could have, you know, had that Playboy lifestyle, I never desired. I never seeked it because that was something I, I didn't hold as, as valuable to, you know, my growth as a man. I just knew it would end up, you know, stabbing me in the back or making my life so much, you know, harder in the long run. So I, I decided to like, hey, I'll just keep waiting. And now the girl I'm with now, it's like I'm with her, what, a year and seven months now? So like the first girl I actually took like real, real serious, been together for a minute. And it's like, just wait, it'll come when you're not looking for it type of thing. And a lot of these young men, just like, especially by their boys, are just being peer pressured and like pushed into whether it, it couldn't, doesn't even have to be females. It could, it could be drugs too. A lot of people smoking, a lot of start drinking earlier than they want to try and fit in and stuff like that. And it just all goes to, you got to realize that there's consequences with everything that you do. And you get caught up in these, you know, these worldly ideals and these worldly values and these, you know, worldly activities. And it, it does nothing but, you know, slowly deteriorate your psyche, your spirit, your, your, your physical health, your mental health, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, no, it's absolutely like, yeah, like you said, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's not the lifestyle, right? Like you go through there and it is at the end of the day, it's empty, man. It's cold. Like there's, it, it, I'm probably going to mess up when I say this, man, but like, you know, you, you, there's, there's something saying, right? Like you said, you can go out there and run up a body count, right? You know what I'm saying? And go home, lay in your bed and still be alone. Mm-hmm. Got nothing to look forward to. Got no one to like, I mean, like it's it's and again like bring it back tomorrow like it's a beautiful thing like right now like I said I like going through something horrible with my kids right you know struggling and like I passed out on the couch right mm-hmm. like this morning I wake up you know later I sleep in you know but my wife already woke up she got the kids ready you know what I'm saying she called my sister and texted her like hey I know you're coming to pick up the girls don't text him because he's still sleeping just reach out to me let me know so I can get him because she wanted me to sleep and get my rest like that's the type of peace you need to have you know what I'm saying like in your mind like that you could relax and not worry about like that that's what we all kind of seek for right mm-hmm. and that's what you what you need to it's to establish and that goes back to like seeing those relationships and all those things that 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 we advise because that's the same thing too like my parents you know what they didn't have the best marriage you know what I'm saying they fought they went out of they st- mm-hmm. but at the end of the day what they always say that one of the things that 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 couples old school when they say like how do you manage to stay together so long is we come from an era where we where, where something broke we try to fix it and not just throw it away mm-hmm. you get what i'm saying my girlfriend said something dumb wavy the other day bro she was like when you trying to look for a partner don't think don't look for someone that you can have fun with look for someone that you could struggle with because there are going to be a lot of ups and downs. You know, when you think of a, a, a partner, you think about all the good times, the honeymoon, the, you know, the, the dates, the, the the vacations, everything, you know, the vacation. They, that's what everyone thinks about. But life going to hit you. It might hit you personally, but that personal hit going to trickle into your relationship and all your other areas of life, right? She might get something in her personal life, and that might trickle off into the relationship. Or y'all might get into a fight in the relationship while you both have stuff going on in your personal lives. And right, so it's like oh, you can get into a giant mess, and if it's like is that's not someone you're willing to struggle with, yeah, not that's something you're not willing to to know, you know, suffer with, and you know, go through hell and come out of it, you know, she's not the one, bro. She's not. I'm, I'm gonna go through two like I was rewinding that right because I got I want to share two things with you, right? Um, one of them, I guess, um, so I could grab my thought now, but um, um, I always said right. With my wife, I and mean, we started dating, right? Um, and things aren't serious, and I told her straight up, I said, listen, the moment you don't want to be with me, just tell me, because I'm not going to fight for somebody who don't want to stay. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Ain't no point. You know what I'm saying? Like, so whenever my mentality, like, I'm, I'm, I'm in this, it's like, yo, like, I'm not thinking about an escape. Like, how do we fix a problem? That's my mentality. It's mm-hmm. not about running away or this, that. Or how do we fix this problem? What do we do? Like, we'll argue about it. We'll be at odds. But, like, how do we fix this? Because if, if we, if I want you to be here. So whatever mm-hmm. it is, we got to figure it out or whatever. Because it's a choice that we make, right? Like, to be with each other. You know, so when you stop making that choice, let me know. Because I'm not going to fight for it anymore. Like, there's no point. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so so that, that's where it comes to that. Like, and I think the other part, like I said to everybody, like, and, and I think... Key things to every relationship, every relationship, and I've always said this, has its good times and its bad times, right? It's the good times that make it last, but it's the bad times that make it strong. Mm. You know what I'm saying? 
So you got to be able to fight through both of those things if you really want a good relationship. Because like I got told my wife, like, uh, uh, like uh, it's so funny. Like, I, I tell her all the time, like, you know, I'm looking around, right? And, and, and all those things, like, for me to cheat on you, right? The only thing at this point another woman that could offer me is sex, mm-hmm. which anybody could do that, right? But what I want is trust and loyalty, mm-hmm. right? You've been giving me trust and loyalty for going on like 11, 12 years now. Yeah. Who's coming close to that? Who can come into my life right now and give me instantly? That's impossible. Like, mm-hmm. that's, you got nothing to offer me. You got nothing to offer me. Because me and my wife, we went through the highs and the lows. We went through all these dark times. We've been through some shit that we sit mm-hmm. through each other. And we're like, damn, like, we still, we figured this out together. Yeah. And I wouldn't want to have it any other way. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not, there's no time for me to go with that. So so it's important. Like you said, your, what, your girl said that she got a good head on her shoulders and know that because you don't, like, who was it? I think it was like Denzel, somebody else that said that there, but it said it's like her beauty is not going to raise your children. Her mentality will. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that's what you want to see somebody who's going to help you and push you to grow. And so a lot of times I get mad at my wife because she wants me to be better for myself. Like one of the times we started, when we started dating, one of the things that I struggled so much and I got so mad at her is because she forced me to tell people no because I was such a people pleaser. But yeah. she was like, you like, and get mad at me when I would go do favors. Like somebody called me and be like, oh, I'm about to go help you. You're going to leave to go. Really? In the back of my mind, I'm thinking like, oh, she's just being so cool and wrote. No, she's teaching me to protect my peace. Right? Mm-hmm. She's teaching me to grow. Like you got to understand where your limit is. Because at the same time, I'm burning myself out because I'm always running over here, running over there, doing this stuff. When do I have time for me? Yeah. Right? Like, she helped me that. And that, that's what you need, somebody in a relationship. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy that you found her and that you guys are working on the year and seven months. So, congratulations. So, you, good job, yeah. or you teach them, teach them well. Um, so, as we wind it down here, man, I got two last questions for you as we wrap it up, man. So, as, so number one, right, with everything that you've gone through and, and everything that, that you've learned in your life so far, what do you think has been the best advice that you've received so far? We will always come back to what we believe we are subconsciously, mm. right? It all starts up here. It all, everything. It, it, no matter what you want to do in life, it started up, up, up there. And you, you have to realize that only, only 2 to 5% of what we do every day is conscious. And once you realize that, you'll realize the importance of self-reflecting or meditation or whatever practice you use to clear your mind is because until you start getting, you know, fight that drunken monkey, as they say, that's, you know, back there, your ego, whatever you want to call it, that's, you know, holding you back and holding you back in your comfort zone and, you know, tearing you back down and just bring you back to places that you don't really want to uh, really, you know, live in. Until you can, you know, fight that and change that and reprogram what you're running on, you'll never change. You'll never be anything in life. You'll keep on finding yourself back in situations. There's a saying like, God will send you the same lessons over and over again, just with different people until you learn the lesson that he's trying to tell you, which happens a lot in relationship. Why you think people that get abused keep on getting into more abusive relationships you didn't learn. And it gets to a point where it's like, you almost pity them in a way. And I don't want to like say I pity them as if I'm over them, but it's like, listen, learn, look, what is this situation? Back to you were saying earlier, you only win or you, it's a lesson. It's no losses, right? It's only a, it's a W or a lesson. L's don't stand for losses. It stands for lessons. What can you learn from this situation? Where can you grow from this situation? Right? So it's like, you got to change that, you know, what you're running on. You got, everyone talks about the law of attraction. You got to understand where that comes from. The law of attraction comes from the law of vibration. What, what is your frequency that you're on? You know, are you thinking positively? Are you thinking highly? I don't listen to Jersey Club music now. Why? Because Jersey Club music is nothing but lip beats and, and no lyrics at all. There's no lyrics in none of them songs. I'm not trying to feed my song, even if it's what well, Drake last album wasn't all that. But, you know, I ain't going that's a whole another topic. But like, you know, a lot of these songs, as I said, they be talking about a lot of BS. It sounds catchy. It's a good beat. But it's like, you feel me, a lot of that, those words without realizing it's playing into, you know, it's going straight into your subconscious without you realizing. So you really got to take the time to reflect, to change your mindset, change your identity. Because if you try to become the world's best real estate agent, but you don't identify mentally as a real estate agent and you identify as a podcast host, you might get a little distracted 
and you might spend your time doing more podcast stuff than you are doing and wondering why your real estate agent business isn't growing. And I say that from experience because that's what I'm doing right now. My podcast is booming and my real estate stuff isn't taking off the way I, I planned for it to take off. But you have to realize, take a time to reflect, like, who am I? Who do I identify as? Is this a person that I want to identify as? And if it's not, how can I change that identity so that I can become the person that I need to become to achieve the things I want to achieve in life? And there's, there's a couple of things that you said, oh, like the main thing why, like I said, not how when you said the brain thing, because I just yesterday, just yesterday with my daughter, right? We we're walking over to drop my, my son off at his daycare and she trips and she falls, she scrapes her knee. She's like, oh, throwing this whole fit and stuff like that. Oh my God. It's like, oh, there's so much blood. And there's like a couple of droplets of the, you know what I mean? Like just making this whole big thing out of it, right? Mm-hmm. And I looked at her and I said, baby, I'm going to tell you a secret right now. Do you know that everybody has a superpower. She's like, really? I said, yeah, everybody has a superpower. I was like, you ready? She's like, what is it? I was like, it's right here. It's right here. Anything that you want, that you need, it's right here. You know what I mean? So if you're looking at that cup and you're saying it's the biggest cut in the world, going to be like, your body's going to be like, oh, well, we got to make it the biggest cut in the world because that's what she thinks it is. So your body's going to react that way. Mm-hmm. If you don't pay no mind, don't think about it. Like, it's just nothing. You know what I mean? Like, I even shared a story. I said, look, I got a scar on my pinky, baby. I was going, I'm ice skating, and I fell, and somebody ran over my hand, right? I said, you know what I did? She said, well, I, was like, I got up and kept skating for, like, a good three, four laps while people are chasing me, screaming at me, like, and I, that's, like, what happened? My hand's covered in blood. But I didn't, why? Because I didn't think about it. I didn't look at it. Like, I wasn't thinking that I had to cut my hand. I'm sitting here ice skating, having the time of my life. Yeah. But your brain is your superpower. Whatever you, whatever you think, your brain is going to do everything in its power to prove you right. Mm-hmm. So that's what it is. Like, if you say, like, oh, I'm the stupidest person in the world, your brain's going to make you do everything to make you right. You're going to misspell that word. You're going to talk out of turn. You're going to stumble on something because your brain is... Hey, I'm, I'm, this is what it is. And that's what I got to do for you, right? This is whatever you put in me is what I'm going to give you. Right? Like you're trying to say that with the input and the output, you know? And I think the other part, like you said that too, is that the key thing is that people running on autopilot, right? Like how are you supposed to take control of your life if you're running on autopilot? Like if you got no control over the wheels, the bells, the whistles, what's going on? Like how are you supposed to get to where you want to go? You can't. Yeah, you know I'm saying? So, Great thing on that. So, so last thing and last question I got for you then, like looking at everything that you're going through and thing that you're experiencing and stuff in life, looking at the younger generation or kids that may be in your situation, right, coming up or that 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 live the same life or been through what you've been through, what is one piece of advice you want to offer them? Don't adopt that victim mentality BS that they're trying to feed us. Cut it out. Don't don't listen to it. We have back to what you were saying about the superpower. We have everything we need. We have every opportunity we are living in the greatest transfer of wealth in human history we are living in the greatest information you know the easiest accessibility to information ever don't ever believe and they you know there's like things and it'll be controversial beliefs in our you know community but i don't consider myself a, a minority i don't care minority is a negative term i don't consider myself a person of color you know i don't identify you know there's a saying like wise people Different, you know, divide themselves amongst the wise and the fools. Fools divide themselves amongst political party, race, gender, religion, et cetera, et cetera, sex, et cetera, et cetera, right? And it's like they're trying to feed us all this BS. And it's like, bro, we have, we're power. There's a saying, it's like, we're not scared that we, um, of, it's like, we're not scared of who we are or something like that. We're scared that we're more, you know, capable than beyond imagination or something like that. I forget how it goes. But it's like we have everything it's not, we we're need. not afraid of what we are or afraid of what we can be. Exactly. And and so it's like we have everything we have. You just have to know that there's opportunity everywhere. And the only thing that's hiding those opportunities from you is knowledge. So if you seek that knowledge, you'll find more opportunities because you'll know what to do with certain things. For example, let's say you see a house that's ugly. You might think, oh, that's just an ugly house. A real estate investor going to think, I could flip that and make like 100K. Easy. Boom. Because they know how to process, they have the knowledge. They see an opportunity where most people won't, and that's in everything in life, right? So don't adopt that victim mentality BS because you will stay trapped. You will stay poor. Don't think that money is evil, right? And having, you know, just enough money to survive is the most selfish thing that you could ever do in life because you're going to come into a time where your loved ones are going to need you or your friends are going to need you. Or your family member gonna need you, and if you only have enough money to cover your butt, 
all your peoples are going to be in less fortunate position, right? So money is good for the good that money can do. And the more you adopt that victim mentality, the more you'll never find any success in any area of of your life. So hold yourself accountable, even if it's something may not be your fault. Just take accountability for everything because the moment you give a, you give up that accountability to someone else, the moment you say you point the finger, you say it's someone else's fault, you just lost every bit of power that your mind has to change it because now you'll be forever waiting for that person to change. Whereas if you took responsibility for it, you took accountability for it, even if it wasn't your fault, now that it's your fault, even though it's not, you have the power to change it because now it's up to you. Yeah, no, don't do that like you say you because we were talking about it before, right? You adopt that victim mentality, then your brain will tell you you are the victim and you will become the victim. You will stay just that, right? You won't go anywhere. You won't do anything. Um, so, so we can't do that, right? We just gotta continue to believe in ourselves and push forward and do that because again, nobody's gonna want what you want more than you, mm-hmm. right? So, one of the things that I always told myself and that I kind of like get into the mentality is that if you don't like something, change it. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. Like, I mean, people make it way too complicated. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you don't like something, change it. You don't like how you look, go to the gym. You don't like what's going over there, then go change your hair. You don't like that this is in the wrong place, then go put it where it belongs. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't wait. And the whole concept of that is don't wait on other people to give you your happiness. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't like it, then just change it, right? Like, that. that's all you got to do is that simple. Like, don't point fingers. Don't blame anybody else. We all have to take responsibility for ourselves, man, and really know that, right? Because nobody's going to do what we want for ourselves but us. Like, mm-hmm. I tell people all the time. And one of my biggest things, because when I'm a supervisor and I coach people, like, I tell my reps all the time, like, I can give you all the tools. I will give a man a shovel and he'll never dig a hole. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to do it for you. You know, nobody's going to do that opportunity for your life. So if you really want something, go out there, take it, um, you know, and really live life to the fullest. So thank you so much, man. I appreciate you sitting down and talking to me. I mean, like a lot of great insights from you. So thank you so much. I I look forward to talking to you some more, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate the opportunity. Now, you know, man, well, as we do it here, man, another episode of Saturday Night Sit Down. Thank you, John, for joining us tonight. Everybody, thank you so much for watching, tuning in. As you always know, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, your big brother loves you. Stay blessed, everybody. See y'all.